The reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, and it's on page 1174, beginning to read at verse 14. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you'd like to keep your Bibles open at uh, Ephesians chapter 3, we'll be be looking at that glorious passage of scripture together. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you indeed for your word and and pray that, in the, that the, the words that are here, that are so high and so glorious, might be made very real to us by your Spirit this evening, that you would touch us, you would waken us up. Sometimes we're very tired on a Sunday evening, and yet these truths are just almost too good to, to, to believe, and yet they're truths in your Word, and they're truths which could be made real in our hearts. And we pray that by your Spirit this evening, you would help us to truly understand and to know the love of Christ. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. So, open there at Ephesians chapter 3. It, it is, it's, it's my favourite passage of the Scriptures. How it fell to my lot to preach on this, that's God's providence. But... I I love Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. In many ways, it's an old friend. But to to dig into it this past week or so, it is so glorious. It is so utterly wonderful that these are the treasures that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. They are mind-blowing. And they're ours to enjoy, to have the love of God. In in all its, its immensity is ours in Christ. So, Bible's open at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. 
But just as an introduction, I suppose it must have been about six years ago that, uh, that I went last fishing. I might not look the fishing type, but occasionally I go fishing. And my three sons and I decided to have a day's father-son, son-to-son bonding. So off we went to a, a lake near Uckfield. And it's one of these lakes that's stocked with fish, so virtually the fish jump onto your hook. But we we had a a great day, and the thing I like about fishing is that you never know what you're going to catch. That beneath the surface of that lake, there are some big fish, and you might possibly catch one of those. And in in some ways, the scriptures are like that. We're going to be fishing into the Word of God tonight. And there are some monster truths in the word of God. And in this particular prayer of Paul for the Ephesian believers, there are some monsters. Now, not that we are going to catch them, but my prayer is that we would be caught by them. We would be caught into the glory of God this evening. So let's begin. Um, Paul's, Paul's prayer, if, if you just noticed it as a whole is essentially spiritual. Paul is very spiritual in what he prays for these believers. He's been teaching them in the first two chapters about what God has done for them in Christ and who they now are in Christ. They were dead. They're now alive. God's love has been lavished upon them in Christ. And he he then prays for them. And, And it's a very spiritual prayer. It's filled with spiritual truth. And it doesn't really resonate with, with, with us, does it? We, if we're asked to pray for somebody, very often we're very practical in our prayers. And, and maybe if we were called to pray for the Ephesian believers this evening, this might be something like our prayer. Okay, here we go. Lord, help the Ephesian believers to reach out to the community and to develop a really good youth strategy and to build up the mission to the Jews and to the Roman soldiers that are there in Ephesus. And, and Lord, help, please help the out-of-work craftsmen in the silver shrine industry that are somewhat struggling at the moment through my preaching a bit earlier on. That's the kind of thing that, that we would pray. And yet Paul's prayer is nothing like that. It, it's his prayer is that they might know the love of Christ, that they might be immersed into this love. And that seems to be us to be very far away from being practical. And and yet, that the history of the church confirms that out of a a spiritual life flows practical things. The greatest, the most wonderful of Christian workers have been those that have been most spiritual in their lives. And out of that spiritual life comes this really practical outworking of the love of God. So let's look at it together. Verse 14. Note, first of all, Paul's attitude in verse 14. He kneels before the Father. Verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family, and so on. So for this reason, I kneel before the the Father. His attitude is one of kneeling. Kneeling is one of of the the many attitudes of prayer that's given in the scriptures. Sometimes you lay down. There are other attitudes, but kneeling is, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Paul 
the great apostle kneels before the glorious God. He, he comes in reverence. He comes in awe. So the lesson here for us as we pray is that we come before God in reverence and in awe. And we kneel before the Father. This glorious God, this God of the scriptures, this holy God is our Father. He is on our side. He is for us. He has made us one with himself. Because from the Father that Paul kneels before will come the blessings that he's going to pray for the the, the Ephesian Christians. He knows where the blessings are going to come from. That's why he prays to the Father. So when we pray for other people, we come and we pray to the Father because we know that that's where the blessings are going to come from. Note also in that verse, in verse 15 it carries on, that, and in verse 14, that he's, he, who he's praying the, the, for, he's praying from the Father, for verse 14, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Basically, what Paul is is saying here is that I'm praying for the church, the church in heaven, the church on the earth, because this is the family of God. Paul is saying, I'm praying for God's family. That's why he's called the Father. He is the Father and he has a family and the family is the church. And then Paul begins his prayer in verse 16. Paul knows God's resources. And we see it there. Look at verse 16 together. I pray that out of his, that's the Father's, glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power and so on. So Paul knows that God's resources are are plentiful. He's going to make some big requests in a few minutes' time, but Paul knows that the resources that are in God are adequate to answer this prayer. Out of his glorious riches, our Heavenly Father doesn't have to ration out his blessings to the the few good ones that are wandering around in the church. His blessings are for all. His blessings are for sinners. Some of us might feel far removed from God and very unworthy of the blessings that we're going to be reading about in a, in a few moments' time. You think, well, do you know what, at the moment, I just simply don't deserve that. Then the blessings are for all God's children. They're, they're, they've been bought for us in Christ. So, so don't write yourself off. When we're looking at these blessings in a, in a few moments' time, don't, don't write yourself off from them. They are God's gift to you, God's love, God's gift. God has glorious riches and they're ours in Christ. They're not earned, they're freely given. They're, the price has already been paid for them. So Paul gets down to prayer. What does he pray for these Ephesian Christians? His prayer is structured. It's like a ladder. C.H. Spurgeon, that great Victorian preacher, said, said, this prayer is like Jacob's ladder. Its foot is on the earth, but it reaches up step by step until at the very top, he's taken us into heaven. And, and this prayer of Paul takes the believers from earth, it seems, right the way up, rung by rung, until they're in the presence of God themselves. 
The other great preacher of the last century, Martin Lloyd-Jones, says of this, this passage of scripture, he said, these are the high mountains in, in, in the word of God. These are the Himalayas. And this prayer is the highest peak. And verse 19 is the summit. This is the, the peak of Christian experience. This is as high as you can get in Christian experience. That's what they said. So this is a, a good prayer. This is where we want to be led from, from heaven to earth. We long for a, a, a greater experience of God. So let's, so in my little notes there in, in the green sheets, you see the first point there, a big ask. Paul's prayer makes a big ask of God. And it's in steps. He asks one thing in order that he might ask something else in order that he might ask something else, in order that he might ask something else. And then they get to the top of the ladder. You, you'll see that as we go through it. So what does, what's the first thing that Paul asks for? See it there in verse 16. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that. You see how it goes on? He prays, first of all, for this strengthening of their inner beings so that. So the first thing that Paul prays for is that they may be strengthened by God's Spirit in their inner being. Are you aware that you've got an inner being, that, that you inside? We, we, we know what we mean by when Paul speaks of the inner being, that, that me inside, that, that, that heart within us, that, that me. And Paul prays that for these believers, that that inner being, their hearts, would be strengthened. And this word strengthened means reinforced. They're not strong enough. They're not able to bear of themselves what he's going to be praying for as they progress up the ladder. So Paul prays, first of all, for their hearts to be strengthened, to be reinforced, to be prepared for what is going to come, for, for the so that that he prays for next. That's a good prayer to pray. That's something that Christ is working in us by his spirit all the time. He is preparing our hearts. Maybe you're aware of that. Sometimes it's quite painful when God is preparing our hearts. Sometimes he, he almost takes us to pieces. You know, sometimes when, you, when, you, when you've got something that's not strong, it's got impurities. And you put it in the furnace and you get rid of those impurities. It's not ready to take the thing that it's going to stand on top of it, whatever. And the same with us. God needs to prepare our hearts at times so that he can bless us even more. That preparation sometimes can take years. Sometimes it can be instantaneous. Maybe some of you, God is preparing your hearts to, to bless you even more. It's painful at present, but as we sing in the, in the hymn, but it doesn't last forever. It will be gone before long. So the first thing that Paul prays is that God would strengthen them in their inner being so that. So that what? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Their, their, their inner being is strengthened so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. This word dwell is a lovely word. It means to abide permanently. It means to make it your home. And that's what Paul is praying, that their hearts might be strengthened so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that Christ may settle down, as it were, make a permanent residence in your hearts. Paul isn't speaking about salvation here. Paul Paul is speaking to people that are already Christians. In chapter 1, verse 13, we see that they're already Christians. They've already been sealed with the Spirit. So Paul is praying that that for a a, a deeper, a, a, a more solid experience of Christ, so that Christ may dwell, permanently abide in your heart. Not a fleeting visit, like is so what. We're a bit spasmodic sometimes, aren't we? But what Paul is praying here for these believers is that they would be rock solid, that Christ abides in their hearts. Now, you're all well taught, and you know that the heart here in Scripture is that centre of our being. And what Paul is praying for, ultimately, is that their life would be controlled by Christ Jesus. Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. It's, it's a reality. This is what the Christians should attain to. This is not for some super perfect saints. This is where we all should be. And this, this is like the second or third rung of the ladder. This is but the beginning. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. This is what Paul is praying for these Ephesian believers. Many of which are slaves. Poor. They're Gentiles by birth. They're not from a Jewish foundation. Paul is praying that for them. And he goes on to pray and he says, I pray in verse 17, look at verse 17 together, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, for them to build even more, they need good roots, good foundations. And again, so often the work of God in our hearts and lives is doing exactly that. It's beneath the surface. It's things that we can't see. We need good roots and good foundations as Christians so that we can be strong in in the power and strength of God. The picture that's here in these words, this rooted and established, is, is is of a big tree with roots that go deep down into the ground. And that word established or, or, or grounded means is a picture of a building having solid foundations. And that's what Paul is speaking of here, and that, that, that soil that, it, that the roots go into, and that, that rock that the, the foundations are built on, he says, rooted and established in love. The Christian's roots go into love. Where, where does love come from? God is love. Our roots are in God. And then out from that, those roots comes the life that is a life of love. The Christian should be, a Christian loves that, that, that's where we are. This, 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 this nutriments from the soil comes in us and through us and out to bear the fruit, rooted and established in love. 1 Corinthians 13 is that description of love. But what it says at the very beginning of that is that you can speak like the voice of an angel. You can give all your money away. But if it's not from love, it's a complete waste of time. And Paul here is praying for the Ephesians that will be rooted and grounded in love. Not so that they have such an amazing experience that they go around making everybody else sick with it, but that they're rooted and established in the love of God. And this love is a self-giving, putting others first kind of love. This is where this spiritual life is worked out in the church, in this self-giving, self-sacrificing, Christ-like love. So what does Paul go on to pray? He prays for that. He prays for their spiritual stature. 
And then he prays for something even more. The steps are going on. Verse 18, see it there. He prays for this, that they might be established in love and that they might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Rooted and established in love so that they then have the power to be given power by God together with all the saints, not just a few, together with all the saints, to grasp, to grasp the, the, the extent of the love that's in Christ. Now we've got this lovely phrase, the width, the depth, the height, the, the so on, that basically what Paul is, is, is showing this picture that it's, it's enormous. The love of Christ is just beyond limit. There is no limit to the love of Christ and they need to be given power to grasp this. Grasp has two meanings, doesn't it? The, the, the meaning you, you've been thrown into the sea and you, you grasp the life raft because, for, you know, for grim death, as it were, because you don't want to drown. It's not that kind of grasping. The grasping here is a mental grasp, an understanding. You, you grasp something with your mind. The thing that I never did in maths, I never grasped it. I'm math lexic. I could never grasp algebra or all those funny things, x, y, squared equals. I just couldn't grasp it. But throughout the, the years in the maths, my fellow colleagues, I get it. I understand it. And poor old Phil was there in the dunce class. Never got it. Never grabbed it. But what Paul is praying here, that they would have power from God to grasp, to get it. That the extent of the love of Christ, to grasp it mentally, to comprehend, to see it, to be enlightened, to, to understand, for, to just get it. That it's, the love of Christ is enormous. It's, it's, it's so high I can't get over it. We used to sing, didn't we? It's so low I can't get under it. So wide I can't get round it. Then, oh, wonderful love. This is what Paul is saying. He wants them to grasp the extent. It's so wide it encompasses all. It's so long it's eternal. It goes from eternity to eternity. You can never escape from it. Even death can't separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It's so high, it takes us into the presence of God. There is no higher place than God's love in Christ. And it's so deep, it reaches into the depths of despair and darkness. There's no place that's too deep for the love of Christ. It's there too. This love of Christ is wonderful. Paul prays that God would enable these believers in Ephesus to grasp that mentally. Brothers and sisters, friends in BH, if we could grasp the love of God, the love of Christ, its extent, it would solve a lot of our problems. It really would. Pray that you can grasp it. Pray that God would give you the power to grasp the extent of God's love. It would ease a lot of anxiety, a lot of care. Our, our lives are in God's hand. He is almighty. Nothing is too hard for him. Pray that God would enable you and your friends and your family to grasp the extent of the love of God. And then, <clears throat> you think that, that, that's good. That's fine. Okay, Paul, end your prayer there. Amen. He goes on. Verse 19, and I've titled that, knowing the, are you, is this wearing you out? Is this just like, oh, just please slow down. Just say amen and that's right. I'll just stop there. Because it goes on. 
It's like, it takes your breath away. It's so good. As we get nearer to the top of the ladder, the glory gets brighter. And if God reveals that to us, it's, this is amazing. This is our heritage as Christians. So verse 19, as we get nearer the top, so the glory gets brighter, Paul not only asks God that these believers might grasp the hugeness of Christ's love, now he asks for much, much more. And he says there in verse 19, look at it together. And I ask that you might grasp the, 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 love, the depth of the love of Christ, verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And to know this love. And that word know means to, to experience it, to feel it. It's not head knowledge, that kind of know, but it's a heart knowledge to know. Oh, I know the love of God. Paul is praying that they would experience the love of God in their hearts. It's an experiential knowledge to, to feel it, to be caught up in it, to be bowled over by it, to enjoy it. It's like an ocean. That the love of God, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, like a mighty ocean in its fullness over me, as the hymn used to say. Now, the, the word tells us this love is unknowable. Have a look there at verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This love that he's wanting them to know is actually unknowable. We can't get there under our own steam, but God can give it to us. To our human natures, we can't find it, we can't discover it, we can't buy it, we can't learn it, we can't earn it, this love of God. It can only be known by God bringing it to us, giving it to us. We, we, we experience it by faith. Faith is, is taking what God gives to us, what God gives to us. And Paul prays that for all the Christians in Ephesus. It says there in verse 18, to all God's holy people, to grasp and to know this love. Whew, takes your breath away, doesn't it, really? And that's not the top ladder. Paul then goes on, so that, so that. Here we are, verse 19, look at it together. And to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that, that means in order that, What's the next? What's this final thing? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is asking some great things for these believers. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the climax of Paul's prayer. What does it mean to be filled with the fullness of of God. This is what they've been leading to. This is Paul praying their hearts might be strengthened in order that they might have knowledge in order that, that they might know in order that they might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That's what Paul is praying for. Listen to the amplified version here. What it says, it's lovely. It kind of opens up what Paul is praying here. Listen to this. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God. That is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. 
That is amazing, isn't it? Read the church history books. People have known and know today that experience. That's what Paul is praying for all the Ephesian believers. This is the ultimate Christian experience. This should be the normal Christian experience, to know this love of God. So that's it. Once you got there, I'm filled with the fullness of God. Great. That's it. I'm there. No. Because the fullness grows. How is that possible? How can fullness grow? Martin Lloyd-Jones gives a great illustration. Take a balloon. Blow a balloon, three puffs, that big. It's full. It's full of air that you've blown into it. But is it really full? Five more puffs and the balloon gets bigger and bigger. And so on. It's always full, but it's fuller than it was before. Or, Or take a small bottle, fill it with water. It's full. It could even overflow. But it's a small bottle Take a vast reservoir and fill that with water. That's also full. If that overflows, then a great deal more water than the tiny little bottle. And what Paul is saying, he's praying for them to know this fullness that goes on growing within them. There is is no depth, no length to this fullness that God can bring. That's what Paul is praying for, for these Ephesian believers. That's what he's asking that God would give to them. Now, they probably like us said, Paul, you are, you're out of your mind. You, you've got carried away with words. This just isn't possible for ordinary people like, surely Paul is asking too much. So hence that, that little thing there was, Paul is having a big ask. And then we see in the, the final few verses, Paul asks a big God. Paul asks a big God for these things. Paul isn't asking too much. Look at verse 20 there. Paul says in this glorious doxology, this this great request he's made. Now to him, God, who was able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that was at work within us, to him be glory in the church. These very people he's praying for. God is able to do super abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. So is Paul asking too much? No, not at all. So no wonder he leads into that doxology and says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, including us, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, brothers and sisters, Do we pray that prayer? Is that kind of prayer we pray for ourselves, for one another at church? Do we pray that kind of prayer for our children, that they might know this fullness of God? How do we measure up to this level of Christianity? Put it on a scale, does it? Where are we? Are we somewhere there? Should should we be praying that we should be further up the scale? Do we long for such a knowledge? When When I'm praying, I mean, preaching about this, is something within you going, oh, I'd love to know something of that. I'd love to know more of this love of God. I'd love to know the full extent of the love of Christ. I'd like to grasp it. I'd like to know it. Phil, that's exactly what I want to know. I hope it is. I hope that the Spirit is, is putting within you a desire. Because that's how you get it, by asking for it. Paul is asking the God of unlimited resources to give it to these believers. Do we have any idea what Paul is on about? Is, it, is this something that is real to us or not? Do we desire to be filled with the fullness 
of God? Or does the thought possibly scare us, maybe? So, so what do we do? What do we do? How can we set about trying to get this for ourselves? One, we need to realise that such a high life is God's plan. It's not just us wanting something that he desperately doesn't want to give us. This is what God wants to give us. This is what God has planned and purposed in Christ to give to his believers. This this is the treasure that's ours. So first of all, realise that such a a high life is God's plan and purpose. The Bible's full of it. It's not just this little bit in Ephesians. It's all over the place in the Bible. God has a rich treasure for his believing children. Secondly, we need to ask for it. We need to seek. We need to knock on God's door because that's faith. Faith goes to God. I read this in Ephesians. Lord, I really would like to know more of that love. Knock, knock, knock. Ask, ask, ask. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Trust that God is preparing your heart. Is doing the groundwork so that one day he can build upon that foundation. The very thing that he wants to do. Trust that he wants to do it. Trust that he is building. Even though it seems like you're being taken apart at the moment. Think, maybe this is God building me. Maybe God is strengthening my heart, ready for this time when Christ comes to dwell in it permanently, forever. And then finally, Paul's prayer here has such certainty in it. He's not saying, well, perhaps, maybe. It's absolutely certain that this is what he's praying for these Ephesian believers. And then that they may ask and seek and knock until they've got it. We need to wait. We need to wait upon God. It's his to give. It's not ours to go and take or to grab or to claim. It's God's to give. Wait upon God to give it. Finally, the big final thing, a big amen. The amen means so be it, so be it. Brothers and sisters, let's pray this for one another. This is, this is the year when we're praying that the word might fill us. The word is telling us to pray for these things. Let's pray. Pray that for one another. Pray that we might be filled with the very fullness of God. What a church, wouldn't we? What a church rooted and grounded in love. We, 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 we wouldn't even need, we, we, we'd be radiant. No, Phil, evangelism's the important thing. If we're this kind of Christian, the evangelism almost does itself. Because there's just something about it that people would say, do you know what? I want some of this. In times of revival, people were revived to, to be this kind of Christian. And they were just, people were just thinking, wow, this is amazing. This, because God is glorified in this. God is recreating his image in, in the life of his children. Pray that this would happen to you and your children and to the brothers and sisters here in Christ, in BH and Brighton and so on and so forth. Amen. So be it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are big words. These are big things. Lord, be pleased to answer them. For you are a big God and we praise you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.